guys, and welcome back to Push Pause, my podcast where I go and sit down with friends and family and we talk about life. But this year, I really want to focus on the mid-20s. If you were a 20-year-old and you were getting out of college, life's kind of difficult and kind of weird. And so what I want to do today and this year is kind of sit down with people either in their 20s or who are older, who have advice for people in their 20s, and figure out tips and tricks and things that they had to overcome over the, that time. And so today, I'm actually sitting down with Katie Furchin. You guys don't know that's my girlfriend, um, but we're sitting now. We're going to talk about her life, goals, and things she's went over this year and a couple years since she's sort of been in her twenties. And yeah, hi Katie. Hi Austin. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? All right. Let's let's start it out pretty easy. What do you do? What is your job? And where do you work and stuff like that? Of course, I am Katie Furchin. <laughs> I work at USI Insurance as the assistant to our Midwest CEO. So that's what I do full time. Um, but on this, I'm also a wedding videographer and photographer. Cool, cool, cool. Um, typically, how many hours a week do you work? I work at my full time job. Yes. 40 hours. And then what about like side hustles and other things? Side hustles, it's a little rough to estimate. It depends on the workload. But I'm, I would say I'm at least spending like between, eh, you know, probably like five to eight hours. Five to eight hours each week. So about 50. Yeah, to, to roughly. Say. Yeah, during a really busy week, I'm probably working 50 hours a week, including side hustle. Yeah, that's that's sort of like, it's a good indicator to see how much you work and how much you're willing to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in life, like, I tend to see myself, okay, I work 40 hours at work, sometimes a little more. But then when I'm at home, it's always a couple extra hours each day, getting mm-hmm. stuff done, that maybe for work, maybe for other stuff, but just keeping yourself busy. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have your your job right now. You do your side hustle. Explain that. So you do wedding videos? Yes. So I've been a wedding videographer since 2016. Um, And in 2016, I did my first wedding, which was on a whim. I was living in Chicago for an internship. And a friend of mine asked, hey, are you going to my wedding? And I said, no, like I'm up in Chicago. And I've been back and forth between Cincinnati and Chicago a few times. Um, And I'm kind of like trying to stay in Chicago and like enjoy it. And so I said no. And then... A friend of ours texted me and said, hey, do you know how to film a wedding? And I kind of put two and two together that they wanted me to come film their wedding. And this was days before. So I found my way to, back to Cincinnati and was able to film it. And it was the most terrified I, I think I've ever been with a camera in my hand because usually I'm like very calm and excited to work with it. But um, I just kind of got through it. And since then, I've really enjoyed it. And I forget how many weddings I've done by now, but... I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it and it's kind of second nature. Yeah. that So I do wedding videos as well and they're, they're stressful. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> you think the wedding day is stressful for the bride and groom and it is, Yeah. but when you kind of are on staff for them and you're working for them and you're trying to make their day perfect and capture it perfectly, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and usually they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that's sort of the fun part about a wedding is adapting to that and getting better at that. So how do you, how do you, deal under that pressure how do you keep yourself calm and collected um that's a really good question because there are some times where I think I am internally screaming even the most recent weddings there's still those moments where like you said there's something unexpected that happens and it really throws you for a loop because you're like oh I've been to so many of these like I've seen everything no you haven't (laughs) um And I think I still have a lot more horror stories to come. Um, But I think to stay calm, 
I just kind of have to remind myself that like if I'm not calm I could ruin a memory for them I could ruin something that they get to look back on for years to come and that kind of motivates me to get back into it stop shaking stop freaking out and just capture the damn thing (laughs) and get past it and then freak out afterwards yeah I think that's a good thing is sort of like just you're you're doing somebody else's day it's not about you yeah yeah. And so making sure that they know that and that you're there to help them if mm-hmm. they need help. I love that. That's probably my favorite part about it is to get connected with the couple and sort mm-hmm. of go through the day with them and tell them, hey, like, it's going to be okay. You just got to get through this part and get through this part. And then you get to enjoy it. It's your day. Everyone's here for you. Nobody else. Not for me. Yeah. Not for anyone else. They're here for you. Yeah. And I think that's something I've, I was just talking to a bride yesterday and I kept stressing to her, like what I've learned through the weddings I filmed and because of what I've learned, I've been able to help brides through some of those nerves and also remind them to take time in their day to enjoy it because so many brides get wrapped up in the day and impressing everyone around them that they don't focus on their partner who they're like spending the rest of their life with. Yeah. And that's kind of what the day is about. It's not about everyone else. It's about them and to remind them of that and see that relief on their face when they realize that too is so important. Yeah. Okay. So switching gears a little bit. What are you most passionate about? I know like creating and stuff, all of that is part of it. Mm-hmm. But for you, like, what are you the most passionate about? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it cheesy to say love? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mean like just a romantic love. It's like, does that make sense? Can I say I'm passionate about love? Passion, explain, like, what do you mean by love? I'm passionate about the how love can impact people and how love can change the world. I think that in society today, everyone's so wrapped up in their technology and they're losing that personal connection. And it's something that I definitely, I mean, I've always valued love. I've always valued relationships and connections to other people, but I'm falling into that same trap as well and I'm starting to lose friendships and I'm starting to realize like you really do have to put in that effort and no bad things can come from just giving love to those around you um and so I'm passionate about love because I think it can change people I think it can change the world make people see things differently make people more understanding and just make people happier yeah I I think I don't know if love's a perfect word for me in that Mm -hmm. type of sense but it's like just giving a crap about people mm-hmm. like actually caring about them and not just listening and not in your head, but mm-hmm. actually taking the time to have that one-on-one like, Hey, like I care about you. So in term, I love you. So having that one-on-one connection and being like, Hey, like I do care about you. I want us to stay involved in each other's lives. And it's, it's hard mm-hmm. being in your twenties and literally being out of college where everybody goes to different schools or after college, they go to different jobs in different States. And some of your best friends aren't nearby. It's it's really hard. Um, and I'm kind of lucky because a lot of my friends are nearby. And so if you want to talk about that a little bit, I know some of your best friends are actually up in Cleveland. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of my friends from college and high school have moved away. The ones I got close to, at least. Apparently, I made a really bad decision in who I picked. Um, and that's completely a joke because they're the most like incredible people I, I know to say, I'm like they're pretty awesome but <laughs> they're all incredible people um but it just so happens that one of my best friends from high school moved over to Chicago and so I get to see him maybe a, a few times a year 
um, my best friend from college moved up to Cleveland with her family and her boyfriend. And so I don't get to see them very much anymore. Another good sorority sister moved to Columbus. So there's a lot of people that I've lost touch with. And maintaining those relationships is so much harder. Like it's hard enough having someone <laughs> that is in the same city as you. Um, but once you leave college, you're not seeing those people every single day or every week. And you have to make the effort to keep them in your lives and know that you're still going to have that close bond. Yeah. Do you do you think like social media has helped with that at all? Or has it made it worse? Because you get to see their mm-hmm. lives unfold on the screen and on their Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Do you think that makes, does that make you feel better about that connection? Or does it make you kind of sad that you're not there experiencing it with them? It makes me extremely sad because also you have to keep in mind that like social media isn't someone's full story. It's not their full life. So what we see may not be the case at all. They may be completely struggling and um, in need of a friendship more than ever. But if we see on their Instagram or their Facebook that like their life is so perfect and they're so happy and all of that, then we might think, oh, maybe they're better off without me. Maybe they don't actually need my love or my friendship. Maybe I can just like stay back and cheer for them and watch their life unfold. Um, I think it's so important to go beyond that and actually check in with them and make sure everything is okay. Um, And something that like really scared me about social media was, I still remember it was a conversation I had with one of my sorority sisters. Um, I had just asked how she was doing, like what she had done the previous week. And her first response to me was, well, didn't you see my social media? I thought I saw that you were one of my viewers on my Instagram story. Like, didn't you see what I did? And that freaked me out because it's like, well, can we not have a conversation about this? Um, And we see so many things on social media that we're numb to it. We're Mm -hmm. numb to these stories of these people. So if I may have seen your Instagram story, but that doesn't mean I know what's going on in your life. Yeah. I would rather talk about it and build that relationship and build a connection and hear from you firsthand of like the goods and bads. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like being a creator. I like to create stuff and I sort of share my life on social media. Mm-hmm. I do in my videos and all sorts of different stuff. And it's, it's weird in some situations where some people only know me or know about me because of that. And they are like, they will watch my video and they'll mention something from it. And that's crazy. That's a cool moment. But I can get the flip side of that's not all of who I am. It's literally just the good side. And that's something I really want to focus on this year is not just showing that good side, not just showing those good days. I want to show the days that are hard and the days that do affect me and make me who I am. Because there's so much stuff in this life that is good, but there's also so much that's bad. And I mean, there's days I don't want to get out of bed or there's days I don't want to be creative, but I have to and I have to force myself into it. And that's what I want this to sort of be about is how do we not force ourselves, but get ourselves in the right mindset to be creative, to get the job done. And especially being in our early 20s, it's like we're learning a lot as we go because we've never really lived on our own. We've never really have had as much responsibility of a full-time job and payments and bills and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you just moved out of your family's house. Mm -hmm. What is one big takeaway? You've been about nine months now? Um, I think six five months okay being out that long and having mm-hmm. a big uh big full-time job and being on your own basically what's like big one one big takeaway you have from it how important my family is 
and how little of energy I've spent on building relationships with them, which is so sad to say. But finally being out of my parents' house, I'm starting to realize that although I lived there for 23 years, I didn't build the relationship that I should have. I think I being under the same roof as them was just kind of like, oh, well, I see them all the time. I don't need to spend any extra time talking to them or like they know everything about what I'm doing. They know whether I'm home or not. Um, So now being away from them, I'm actually having real conversations with them. I'm missing them um, some days. And it's been very emotional to think like I had all that time with them, but I didn't use it wisely. And so I want to use more of my time with them and get to know them better and make up for that lost time. I wouldn't say it's like lost time because mm-hmm. you're still building connection. Mm-hmm. But and I, I like I, I wouldn't say you were like bad at it because mm-hmm. I mean, you live with them. You got to enjoy their time. And that's awesome. That's a great part of your life. I just remember when I moved out for college, uh, the first thing I did or the first month or so, I think I called my mom almost every day. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, that's sweet. But it was it was like it's it's growing up and it kind of lets you have more deep and meaningful conversations with them because not you're not talking to them every day. So now your weekly talk is actually more meaningful than every small chit chat you had every day with them when you lived at their house. Mm-hmm. And I think for me that was like a big realization that hey, like these are so much more meaningful conversations than what we had years ago because now we're not just saying oh. Where are we going for dinner? Or, What's exactly. this? Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, hey, I'm having issues at work. Mm-hmm. Here's my issues. How can you help me solve them? And mm-hmm. usually your parents are really good at stuff like that. So, And that's something that like I didn't want to admit, especially as a teenager. And I think I was still in that teen angst even throughout college living with them is accepting the fact that my parents know a lot more about life than I do. They've been through it. And I haven't yet fully. And so I think I was still falling into that trap when I was living with them of thinking like, oh, I have my life to live. I'll figure it out. (laughs) They don't know anything. Yeah. No, they know a lot. (laughs) And their knowledge is so valuable. Mm -hmm. And getting more of that, the more I see them and talk to them as an adult and being able to understand their lessons is really, it's really valuable. Yeah. And I think like even just being out like kind of on my own for a little bit. It's like you learn so much so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, don't put mac and cheese in a microwave without water, <laughs> like stuff like that. Yeah. I burnt, uh, destroyed a microwave oven by putting mac and cheese in it without water. I was like busy doing other stuff. And it's just little things like that, like knowing not to do that or knowing not to like, just do stupid things. Like don't waste your money all the time because when the first of the month comes around, you have bills due, you have to pay them. Mm -hmm. And if there's no money in the bank account, uh, what do you do? (laughs) You're kind of screwed. Yeah. But what what else should you not stick in the microwave? We won't go into that one. (laughs) Cut that. (laughs) Yeah. Cut that part. Uh, (laughs) I just had to make that joke. (laughs) Yeah. You're not nice. I stuck my camera in a microwave. It kind of hurt it. It's okay. But it was an old camera, you know, I was had to get the shot. So <laughs> got anything for the shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we talked about like living on your own and it's, it, it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm sure comes a lot more stress or different types of stress. So what do you do to relax? 
what's like your passion that you love to do when you are stressed out? I don't think I take enough time to relax. I'm just going to say that now. Um, but I think some of my defaults are lighting a candle. I love lighting a candle and like... Just just literally just like putting it on fire? <laughs> yeah, the act of that is so relaxing. I, I was like, okay. No, having a candle lit and taking time to work more on my side hustle and my passion, like that's always been a default for relaxation for me is like if I can fall into that or watch movies or watch videos about making movies yeah that's just a safe place for me i always really enjoy that kind of stuff um and i don't know if it's relaxation or not but i just find myself on youtube a lot (laughs) (laughs) i think i say it's relaxation but it's not like true relaxation so i need to be better about that yeah well i mean it is um Mm -hmm. and like i can say oh i get relaxed when i make videos and that's like what i do to remove stress and stuff and that's it kind of true I'm just like anyone else. I like to sit on the couch and watch TV, but I get so much more fulfillment out of making videos or mm-hmm. making whatever, taking a photo. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff just makes me happy. And in turn, that kind of reduces some stress. But there are days I literally want to do nothing. I want to sit on a couch, watch a TV all day just to like let my brain de-stress and relax. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like either that or taking trips. Both of those like, taking a day away from technology or taking a trip either one of those is like the key if you want to relax in my opinion mm-hmm. um one way i used to relax a lot is going out into nature mm-hmm. it's something i need to go back to because there were days i mean probably two years ago i would be outside every single day doing something even if it was cold out i would be out there walking and it gave me such a moment to think to myself like sometimes i wouldn't even listen to music just so I could have that time with my own brain, figure out some things that have been puzzling me or freaking me out and let it all go. Um, That improved my life a lot and I want to bring it back. And that's kind of like what I've been talking about. I want to sort of take time away from technology. Mm -hmm. I love technology for the convenience factor and how it can connect us to everyone. But it sometimes clouds your brain Mm -hmm. and makes it hard to like really think about what you want to accomplish and do. Um, and so I was telling you, I, I want to start the morning. I don't want to really use my phone other than alarms and navigation and stuff for the first 30 minutes. And I want to try to do that at the end of the day too. So I can have basically an hour at the beginning and end of day or throughout, you know what I mean? Um, to sort of just like focus in, get what I need done. And then at the end of the day, focus on the next day and what I need to get done that day. Mm -hmm. And I think that those moments are going to help me a lot when it comes to like stress and, I feel better when I plan stuff out. So when I just run around with my head cut off, it's like, okay, this is terrible. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you just feel more present when you're not so absorbed in technology or social mm-hmm. media. There have been moments where I I have so much trouble staying present and staying in the moment Yeah. that I mean, you've seen me do this and I it breaks my heart when I realize I'm doing it, but sometimes I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. Yeah. I'm being like, mm-hmm, yep. What? Yes. I mean, we all do it. It's not just you. It's literally all of us. Thank you. But <laughs> still, I just, I whenever I fall into that trap, it it reminds me that I need to get off my phone. Yeah. And live in life and look around myself and like appreciate what's around me. Yeah. And get more fulfillment out of that than a screen. You know, what was interesting is Katie got me a Polaroid camera for Christmas. And I've had so much fun with this thing first off. <laughs> but the fact is that it, it lets you sort of break away from your phone. 
kind of in a weird way. It allows you to take a photo. And it's not a perfect photo. It's not the 50 photos you can snap on your phone and then pick your favorite. It's one imperfectly perfect photo. Mm -hmm. It's literally just capturing the moment as it is. And it's kind of refreshing because it's kind of like, this is how we should be living. We should be capturing our life Mm -hmm. and we should be telling that story. But we should also be enjoying those moments and not worrying about, oh, I need to put my arm this way or turn this way. You should just focus on that single second in time. And that's going to... That's going to allow you to just enjoy the night, enjoy your life a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, we we spend so much time with our noses stuck up our phones. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate the fact that we do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like you said with the Polaroid, it's so raw and not seeing it right away and being able to critique it and say, hey, guys, can we take this again? Like, I look a little strange. Like, I look fat. I look stupid. I think your smile is so much brighter on a Polaroid the moment is so much realer and more genuine. And it's like, it's such a, oh, I don't know what I want to say. I, I think it's like a motto to live life by. Yeah. Like enjoy the moment and then reflect on it later. Yeah. You should be, you should be enjoying the moment, not worrying how you look in the moment. Yeah. Or worrying what other people see. Yeah. Your moment as. And then we take our phone and snap a photo the second after. Oh, can I see it? Mm-hmm. Oh, can I see myself? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to the make, lighting's not good enough. Yeah, let's yeah. do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, you you do that. And it's just, it's human nature to be like, okay, I want myself to look be- the best I can. Mm-hmm. And I think how Polaroids work is how I kind of want to live life this year. Is like, there's going to be good ones and there's going to be really bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to share them all because that's just, that's life. You, you have good and bad days. Mm-hmm. And you have those amazing photos that look so good. But you also have the ones that you never want to show anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... That's sort of like life. You have those great days and bad days and you want to, you want to hide everything bad on social media. And I think that's, that's kind of the downside of it right now is it's all just everyone's perfect life and nobody wants to share the bad. They just mm-hmm. want to share the goods or the stuff that gets, gets them the most likes or clicks or whatever. They won't worry. They don't want to share the bad, sad stuff because it's sad and it's kind of hard to let outsiders into that personal moment for you. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like the key bad part of social media. <laughs> yeah. People aren't being vulnerable. And I think if more people were vulnerable on social media, it would be a lot more positive and healthy. Mm-hmm. And that would be a way for people to build relationships that they're missing out on because they're on social media. Yeah. So I hope that people make more of a move towards that vulnerability. And also something I wanted to bring up about being a creative on social media too is that creativity is vulnerable and putting out your view of the world or your piece of art is terrifying because you don't know how it's going to be perceived but social media today it tells you to quantify Mm -hmm. that vulnerability that you're putting out to the world it's saying hey like i'm gonna put out this photo or this video and then I'm going to base how good it is depending on how many likes or comments it gets. Yeah. And that's so toxic because just the simple fact that you put it out to the world is powerful and important Yeah, and it matters. And whether it's good or not depends on how true it was to yourself. I think that's, I really wish there was a social media that didn't have a like counter. And I, I wish Instagram would fully Im- implement it. They're on the way. We'll see if they actually go through it all the way. But, if they can fully implement this idea that, hey, likes don't matter. 
all that matters is that you share your true self and the stuff that you actually care about, more people will show that stupid thing that they did or they'll be able to share those moments that they wouldn't have shared when they worried about how many likes they would get. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone and they're literally watching their likes come in and they click on Instagram. Oh, it's at 105. Oh, it's at 205. Oh, it's at 350. Wow, it's go, it's doing good. And they're worried so much about that rather than the memory that's in the photo. It is terrifying to me. Or they have an exact time that they're like, oh, this is the prime time for me to post. Yeah. What is it? Like Sunday at 8 p.m. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, I know this happened today, but I'm going to wait until Sunday to share it because that's going to get me the most likes. Yeah. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, I, everyone sort of is affected by it, even if like, I don't really care how many likes a photo get. Mm-hmm. But when I see, okay, this photo did a lot better than this one, it just, mm-hmm. it self-consciously affects you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, like, that's not good. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be posting those pictures. Mm-hmm. Or like for me, I'll post some of the photos I take, mm-hmm. not necessarily just the photos I'm in. And the photos I'm in always do better than the photos I take for some apparent reason. But it's like I want to share the photos I take because they mean so much to me. Mm-hmm. And they're a memory to me. Mm-hmm. Where like the photos I'm in, most of the time they're taken with like an iPhone. They're not high quality. And it, it's not the best angle of me, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> that's like something I always struggle with on social media is, okay, should I just post stuff I want to post or post stuff that people want to see? Mm-hmm. And those are very different things most of the time. Yeah. But I think at least the positive of that, though, is that because social media is supposed to be social, at least they do like it when they see you. Yeah. You know, I maybe I would be offended if people liked things that didn't have me in it because <laughs> they're like, thank God we don't have to see Katie's face. It's like that's one, like that. one small positive yeah. of it is like they're liking it because they see you. They see you enjoying life. And they want to root for you. But that's not really how it's perceived to any of us yeah. immediately. Immediately we're like, oh, this has so many likes. Like, I must look more attractive in this photo. Yeah. As opposed to this one photo I took where I, of me, that didn't have as many likes. Yeah. So there's all these like instant judgments that are so negative, And I think those are the ones we jump to right away. When in reality, like no one means it to be that way. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you even do it on other people's photos. You mm-hmm. see... Hey, I posted this cute picture of me, um, but this girl in her bikini got four times more likes than me. Like, what the heck? And I got to look like her to get that many likes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, that's where I see the negative side of likes is that, okay, she's showing that, but that doesn't devalue who you are or like how you look and stuff like that. It's just, it happened to work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see that when I'm working with the youth, as we talk about that, we talk about how this affects kids and how like, if these little girls are seeing all these other girls get tons of likes because of it, they're going to try to follow them and then they're going to get a lot of likes and they're going to be like, Oh, this is what people want to see. And this is how people want me to be expressing myself, which is baloney. You don't need to be doing that. You can just be yourself and people should care about that enough. Mm -hmm. But we see with social media is a lot of times they don't. Mm -hmm. It's kind of sad. It terrifies me for young girls and boys because I think back to when we first got social media, it's when it was first starting. We posted the ugliest things. <laughs> and because of that, we get to look back on it and laugh at it. These kids are going to look back and I mean, maybe they'll still find like some humor in it and be like, oh, look how hard I was trying. I think that's what their reaction will be. Yeah, hopefully. 
hopefully, but I'm seeing little girls look like they're 20 or 30 years old because of makeup. <laughs> and I don't think it's just because their makeup skills are good. I think it's because they're looking at people who are successful on social media yeah. and thinking, I need to look exactly like this person, mm-hmm. no matter how much money it costs, no matter like how hard I need to like harm my health mentally or physically. Like I need to look like them so I can be successful. Agreed. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Oof. <laughs> we can, we can move on a little bit from that. Yeah. We, sorry. We're Deep digging hole. down a hole. Deep hole. That's a, that that's something deep. I could talk about for hours. Yeah. And that, I actually want to do an entire month on social media mm-hmm. um, and look at the goods and bads of it and like how to use it properly. Yep. I think that, that's sort of kind of my plan this year is each month is going to have a different like category of things I want to talk about. Um, and I want the podcast to sort of relate to them a little bit, but more so just, I like the podcast to be free word. We talk about what we want to talk about. There's no big agenda. It's like, whatever comes out, comes out. Um, but going back to that, uh, going back to like your younger self and us with all sorts of stuff we have to do, what advice would you give to your younger self? Imagine you're talking to junior year Katie from high school, not from college. What advice would you give her about life? the most fulfilling things in life are not going to be handed to you. The things you probably want most in life are not going to be handed to you, no matter how long you wait. I think there are a few things I've wanted since high school or even middle school or my childhood that I'm still working towards, health goals especially, where I keep thinking, oh, one day, or I think a lot of people have this idea. They're like, one day someone's going to figure it out and it's all going to be handed to us. We're all looking for that golden ticket yeah. idea of like, hey, you want this diet that is going to work like for every single person in every body? Like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is waiting for that day. And I'm not going to lie, like that would be wonderful. <laughs> but <laughs> how much more fulfilling is it to have the discipline to work towards that on your own with what you have and to learn more and more every single day? And to have that endless learning experience. I think that's just so much more rewarding. Whereas we just, I don't know. There's so many things in life we expect to be handed. Yeah. Because of our background, because of our ancestors, whatever it is. But we need to check our privilege and realize that we need to work at things just as hard as anyone else. Yeah. And that's like, for me, that's kind of kind of similar. That... If I would sit down with my younger self, it would be all about like, just make sure, make sure you you know what you're getting yourself into. And sometimes you don't realize that until you're knee deep in something. Um, And I've been in situations where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and I'm all proactive and I want to get stuff done. But then I get overwhelmed and I'm I'm just too busy where I can't get it all done in time. And I, I, I feel so bad during those moments. That's one thing I would tell myself is just to take it one step at a time. Always work your butt off, but like you need to know how much you can take on your plate. It's hard. <laughs> that is such a struggle that I go through All to this day. I mean, I and it breaks my heart. I feel like there's so many clients I've had as a videographer that I fail mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, they're nice. Let me like try to extend my deadline a little bit Yeah. or you know, I just, I give too much wiggle room because I overwhelm myself. I take on more than I can mm-hmm. chew. Yeah. 
and it ends up hurting other people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you find that balance or how do you know yourself well enough to know what you can take on before it's too late? Yeah, I was, I, what was I reading? It was a book or something. And it was talking about knowing how much you can take on and that sort of idea. But they were saying like, yeah, there's like so much you can take on right now. But that's also a muscle you can build. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can get better at. And it's like you have to ease yourself into this is extremely crazy schedule. You can't just jump into it because you're going to sink really quickly. And so if you focus on like the little, just adding another client once a year or whatever it is, just a little by little you grow, that's going to make you more successful over time. And that's going to make it so you can take on those bigger clients and take on those bigger challenges. And that to me was like so cool to see like that it, it, you should be able to grow this and you should be able to do more stuff. It just might take longer than you think going back to like, be patient and take your time you're gonna have to work at this it's not just gonna get handed to you you're not gonna wake up and have 200 clients and be like oh i'm making tons of money doing it all for them because if you had that many you would probably get done two of them like to be honest it Mm -hmm. it takes time to get to that speaking of that what is something you have failed at there's literally so much i failed at that i'm having trouble like picking one um because i mean i failed at my body goals or my health goals because I think going back to what you said I make such unattainable goals yeah and I expect to get there right away I expect it to be handed to me so I would say either you know achieving my health goals I hate saying that one because I think it's something it's a constant struggle a lot of people work at I mean it, it it's it's a struggle nonetheless yeah and it's like there's a lot Everybody fails at a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and we're afraid to admit it because it's like very personal to us and we don't want to talk about that. And so like recognizing at least just one of them, like that's a big step in trying to overcome it and to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it teach that failure teaches you something. Yeah. It teaches you what didn't work so that you can get closer to achieving it later when you have more resources, you have more knowledge about it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we'll sort of, so we'll sort of transition to like the last section I want to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, New Year's resolutions. So we talked about failure, we talked about life and social media and all sorts of different stuff. What are some of your New Year's resolutions this year? What are things that you want to accomplish? And I, this is sort of a platform for you to just put it out there because once you put this stuff out there, <laughs> you're a lot more likely to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've learned is if you write down a goal and you tell people about it and you say I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. you're 10 times more likely to actually do it. Yep, of course. So what are some of your resolutions? First, with my my side hustle, I have more clients than ever before, and that's so exciting, and I'm so lucky to say that. But I think I'm also biting off more than I can chew. And to know that going into it, I'm, I'm glad I'm aware of it right now and recognizing this so that I can mentally prepare myself when wedding season hits. And so my biggest resolution around my side hustle is to streamline my process without compromising originality. In each video, I want each video to be its own thing. I don't want to have a cookie cutter wedding video that I can repeat every single week. I want each video to be so true to the couples that I work with. And so if I can maintain authenticity while streamlining the process, I'll be really proud of myself. 
And then I think another goal that I have more personal is that I want to cook more. I'm starting to realize I really love cooking. <laughs> it's like <laughs> an un unknown passion of mine because I only used to make breakfast food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at making pancakes um, <laughs> um, and eggs and other breakfast things. But I've never really put my mind to cooking a dinner mm-hmm. or cooking a lunch. And I'm realizing how satisfying and how fulfilling it is to put in all that work for something that's going to fuel your body. Yeah. That whole process of creating something good for yourself and taking it in. It's kind of cool. It's it's a cool thing that I want to explore more. Yeah. And I think through that, I'll learn better nutrition, which is another personal goal is just to have better nutrition. Yeah. I focus so much every year on fitness and hitting the gym X amount of times per week. Yeah. But I've never told myself like, I mean, I've calorie counted and all of that, but I've never told myself, hey, eat whole foods. Like stop eating processed foods like that kind of an approach to nutrition that I want to explore more on focusing a little less on the calorie intake and more on just giving my body things that fulfill it and make it happy and I think I think for me one thing I would say to that is to come up with like tangible goals Mm -hmm. don't just say eat healthier don't just say yeah (laughs) because i I do the same thing and i'm like i'm gonna work out more Mm -hmm. what what does that mean how much is more exactly (laughs) there's there's so much good and bad Mm -hmm. to setting goals and um something i'm like focusing on i'll actually be making a video about it that's gonna be released the same day this is released it's all about like how can you break down your goals and set tangible whether it's numerical or whether it's like cook once a week or mm-hmm. cook, make a new dish once a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm all about trying to find that uh, thing where it's like, hey, like you, sh- you got to set a tangible amount of time or things that you need to get done or you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year I said, I want to make more video content. And I did. I did. But this year I'm setting a goal. I want to make 52 videos, quality videos this year. Last year I made vlogs. They were really quick, really easy. But there were some of them that didn't have a lot of substance. And that's my goal this year is to create that substance and to create those videos all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a big thing I want to do. And I, I'm setting, trying to break down my goals into like even weekly or daily goals I can hit. Because mm-hmm. the more you do that, the easier it is. It, the more you accomplish to yourself, you feel better. Like, oh, I did this. I did this. I did this. Mm-hmm. It's a checklist. Yeah. And yeah. so that's just, that's one thing I kind of learned for myself that you and anyone who's listening should definitely like think about when you mm-hmm. have these goals, think of how you can accomplish just a little task each day. Mm-hmm. I'm learning if I just get up and like make sure I like even making my bed this morning. Like I, I felt good about that and it made me feel like I accomplished one thing 30 seconds into the day. Yep. So then the next thing's easier to accomplish. And it's kind of that snowball effect is if you are productive, you're going to keep being productive all day. But yeah, sorry for like, no, you're fine. <laughs> but in addition to making it measurable, I would love to get more into the play aspect of making it fun yeah, too. Yeah. Because I, f- I feel like we lose that when we become adults. We get so stuck in being in a routine and having that checklist. And I, I don't get me wrong. I love a good checklist. Like it really fulfills me to like be able to cross things off. But how can we make it fun and interesting where we cu- like keep going back to it yeah. and we don't get bored of it? 
that's something I would love to do. And so literally, like, as you were saying all of this, I kind of made my own, like, <laughs> idea for, like, this cooking thing I want to do. Yeah. So, like, imagine, and this is just an example of what you might do to make a goal more fun, is say I want to cook a new meal, at least, like, two new meals every single month. Yeah. Whether for lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever it is. And then what if at the end of the year, I can have literally a cookbook from for 2020 be sweet of yeah. these meals that i made yeah like and if i do two two dinners every single month that's 24 recipes that i can have on log yeah that you can remember hopefully they're all forever. good yeah we'll see <laughs> i'll be the judge of that maybe i walk out of 2020 <laughs> with like two good recipes <laughs> but yeah it's like making it more of a game or something fun yeah is something that you'll keep going back to you won't just drop it a couple months in yeah and that's that goes back to like it's really hard to be passionate about stuff that you you don't care about. Mm-hmm. And so doing like things that you want to do, just, just it makes you happy. It takes stress away. And so that's one big thing. Like don't set a New Year's you Do not set a New Year's resolution that you're going to hate. Like a lot of people going to the gym sucks. And so don't make that your goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you want to lose weight and you want to do this. But set it for something maybe like, Maybe you like to go hiking, go hiking more. Maybe you want to ride your bike around town more or something like that. Try to be as more positive towards your goals and not necessarily like, oh, I can't eat all of this. Like think of ways you can make it a positive. Like, okay, like I'm going to eat this healthier food and I'm going to feel better about it. Just like if you can wrap your head around something and make it a positive experience, you're going to be willing to do it more often. Mm-hmm. You don't have to include this if you don't want, but... Something that I'm thinking about right now as you're speaking about this is literally from Cycle Bar that I came this morning, the instructor, Joni, who I'm obsessed with, she will, in the middle of our class, she said some of these things where she's like, if you don't enjoy Cycle Bar, get out of here. You don't have to be here. But if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to get what you need out of it. Yeah. And then today she said, she said, if you're in here for a skinnier pair of pants, get the fuck out. <laughs> and you don't have, again, you don't have to include that. I just wanted to say that. Okay. It's like, it, like it was so like real to me where I was like, damn, like she's <laughs> being so real. She's saying like, literally like, don't be here if you don't want to. Yeah. And that's how you should approach it. I mean, yeah, that's like getting a little older and like realizing that it's like, you realize real quickly what you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like, why waste, why waste your time on that? Yeah. And don't pretend to like it just because everyone else does. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's oh, goes back to social media. Yeah. It goes back to everything. We'll but, have a series. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Katie, so much for being on here. This Thanks is great. I'm, 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 I like how this went and I'm, I'm really excited for future ones. Um, I'm actually going to be reaching out to people who I know and who I think can bring a lot of experience or a lot of knowledge to me and to people who are listening to this. Um, I want to make your twenties experience a lot of fun and I want you to enjoy it, but also grow a lot. And I hope that's what these podcasts do. Um, I'm going to have guests who are our age, but also I'm going to try to get guests who are older and who have experienced everything we've gone through and see what type of advice that they have to help us live life a little bit better. Um, Other than that, anything last things to add, Katie? I hope everyone listening has the happiest 2020 that they've ever had. What are you doing with the mic? <laughs> She's like moving it around so it Sorry. sounds really weird. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, let me restart that. I hope everyone has a very happy new year. And I hope that 
you make your goals uh, spiraling. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to have a last Basically, thing. Basically, have, yeah, have a happy new year. There we I go. hope you get everything that you want and that you deserve. Okay. Well, yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for watching the third ever episode of Push Pause. And I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.